Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is John Barber from IDW Publishing. You are listening to The Pull Bag. Welcome to The Pull Bags, Back Issue Classics. Join us as we talk about comics from yesteryear, from DC, Marvel, and more. So open your ears to hear our discussion of the older continuities, as the Back Issue Classics are also what's in The Pull Bag. Hello and welcome to The Pullback. This is Back Issue Classics, episode 82. And of course, I am TFT and Mike, joined by Mr. Nightbeat himself, Ryan the Uneven Full of Merkley. Hello, sir. These issues are not classics. Yeah, I... We'll get well, to that in a bit. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a bit. Don't, don't jump the gun on me here, okay? Come on now. We already spent three hours at Dark Cybertron. We don't need three more hours of Dark Cybertron. Um, so... This is ro- not Rid X Rid Transformers Robots in Disguise, the book formerly known as Transformers Robots in Disguise, just now called Transformers. We're continuing on here in Autobotly April. We're going to be talking about Rid. Vo- I'm just going to call it Rid. I don't give a fuck. Uh, Rid Volume Six and Seven. Uh, just like last week, we talked about More Than Meets the Eye Six and Seven for the volumes. These two trades uh, have ten issues total between them. Um, 28 to 32 is Dawn of the Autobots, and then 33 to 38 is Days of Deception. Yeah, the trade names are uh, Robots in Disguise is Volume 6, and then it's Combiner Wars First Strike is the Volume 7 name. Okay. Well, I mean, we know why, but I yeah. was going to say for whatever reason. Then, well, yeah, you know I mean, it's because it leads into because it leads wars, into combiner anyway. wars. Yeah. Well, the re- well, the reason why I said um, Dawn of the Autobots and Days of Deception is because I was not good. I only was missing issues thirty-seven and thirty-eight singly on Comicsology. I don't know why, but I w- I'd rather just spend the four dollars on those than have to rebuy the trades themselves. So I read these single issue. I still read the whole story, obviously, but um, I just then there was no Transformers sale when I was going to. If if, if there was a sale where the trades were like four ninety nine, five ninety nine, sure I would have bought them both, but I didn't. I just didn't. Uh, and 
As I said last week with More Than Meets the Eye, myself, Lady Wreck, and Ender originally did the RID stuff as well. We spent, I think, between the first five volumes of Robots in Disguise, it was close to 15 hours of podcasting. Those usually ended up being two, three-hour episodes. Um, Jesus. Well, it's going to be a lot shorter. Well, yes, because as we're recording this, um, we're about um, an hour and a half away from... You know, the oh, con- no, that's not why. No. <laughs> yeah. It, here's why. I can. Uh, here's my summation of the entire first trade. Uh, Optimus Prime and a team go to Earth. Uh, Galvatron has a treaty with the humans, so the Decepticons and the humans are allied. Uh, they fight, uh, the humans are hiding stuff from the Decepticons, Decepticons are hiding stuff from the humans, and Prowl's hiding stuff from everybody. <laughs> All right, so we're down one trade. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um... So, I'm just gonna jump right into it. Go so ahead. Remember, remember the more than meets the eye, I said that sometimes Robert's can use an awful lot of dialogue and there's a lot of interplay between the characters mm-hmm. oh god this book has more this trade all right this first trade volume mm-hmm. six has more words in it i think than all of more than meets the eye six and seven <laughs> uh second of all it's needlessly convoluted uh and then my last sort of overall thought is everyone acts like an idiot in these books so the humans are dumb as hell for any type of treaty with the Decepticons Yeah, Uh, like they just come off as complete morons in this book Uh, and overall I mean I gotta admit I wasn't happy when the book went back to Earth because I've there have been so many Transformer stories set on Earth. There have been. And really, really, really quickly, before you get through this, before you continue on your rampage here, um, pun intended, uh, John Barber, Andrew Griffith, Josh Perez, uh, Joanna LaFuente, and Tom B. Long are the main creative with uh, uh, editorial assistance by Rebecca Hurd, and the main editor is Carlos Guzman. Um I like Barber's writing. So do I. And, and I, I like Gri- uh, Griffith's art's great, too. It is, but you're right. There are a lot of words in these first fivers, fi- these first five issues. like, And they're words that don't say much is the problem. I can, you know, when I summed up the volumes... It's pretty much what happened. There's not a lot of... Yeah. There's so much stuff that happens and then just gets forgotten about because mm-hmm. apparently it's not important. Yeah. And so to dive in at least slightly more... My first problem with this... And I had a problem with this when I first read it way back when, when issue 28 first came out. It was like, okay, Dark Cybertron's over. We now have to, you know tell a story of rebuilding the universe or, or trying to come to grips that Shockwave tried to destroy the universe. Oh, God, I want to kill Thundercracker. I I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if it's an unpopular opinion. I don't care if people try to come to Kentucky to kill me. 
I fucking hate Thundercracker and this stupid screenplay. It is the... Oh, I know it's supposed to be cliched and stupid and bad, but oh my god. Wow. Yeah. As, <laughs> my big issue is you t- you hinted at it, but didn't go for it. <laughs> my, biggest, my biggest issue is he had Dark Cybertron, he had all this stuff that happened, and instead of dealing with any fallout or anything resultant from that, they decided to go to Earth. Yeah. Why? Uh, all Hail Megatron was, by pretty much all accounts, an absolute disaster for IDW. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did not boost sales. It did not bring new readership. It basically resulted in one of their writers being gone for pretty much ever because uh, it was god-awful and people knew it was awful. So why would you decide, hey, you know, we should really deal with the aftermath of this thing <laughs> that we've tried to ignore for years because it was so bad? Now, I, and, you know, you, you said last week about Roberts and how he tries to improve on things that were bad. He tries to correct the continuity at certain points. Yeah. And I think Barber attempts to do this as well. Now, I've yes. interviewed John. I've talked with John. Uh, we didn't talk too much Transformers because that was at the time of that interview. Jim had just got announced and released the first issue and things like that, and it was the thirtieth anniversary of Jim. But anyway, um, I think Barbara tries to do that, but I don't think he does it as well as Roberts does. I think he can. The other, yeah, uh, as a whole, the one thing Roberts does or Roberts, the one thing Barber does, and I would argue he does it better than Roberts is when he tells, like, insular character stories Mm -hmm. or has interplay with only one or two characters, his stuff is great. Yep. Uh, The Soundwave sort of one-shot story, uh, the Starscream individual stories. uh, Later on, he's got a, you know, a story told from Wheeljack's perspective. Yep. Stuff like that is, he does great It's amazing, yeah. Uh, what he doesn't do well is balance a gigantic cast, mm-hmm. and he has these little moments that are neat. Like, there's a conversation between RC and Prime in the first issue of this, uh, yeah. of Volume 6, that I really enjoy. But then you ask me, you know, what I liked from that uh, that issue, there's very little. So issue issue twenty eight, the first issue of the of, of volume six here. My uh, the Thundercracker stuff aside, because we know he's on Earth. We know that the 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 Earthlings and the Decepticons have struck some sort of deal. We don't know why, and we, we I don't understand why it has to open with Thundercracker and his. Other than the fact that Marissa needs his help, you know, I don't get it. We then travel back to half a million years ago. The fall of Metroplex. And yep. in this, because we hadn't seen the little guy since he died, it's fall of Cybertron Bumblebee. Now, I like that because we hadn't seen... I wasn't sure... You know, you know how comic companies are. Unless it's Uncle Ben, death is not constant. Death is in flux all the time. And to this point... And even after this point, they've pretty much kept Bumblebee dead, except for this flashback and a few others. But this this flashback here, I just love seeing Bumblebee again in a more classic uh, G, G1-ish type of, of look. 
Because, I'm sorry, at, by the end of, of Dark Cybertron with Bumblebee's death, he looked more like Gold... Like the like the, the shattered glass version of Goldbug. I was okay with that. Anyway. I was uh, okay with it, but it still wasn't, wasn't Bumblebee. So you're touching again on stuff that I didn't like from... <laughs> sorry. This, from this entire... <laughs> from this entire trade, and that is that... I still don't know why the hell the humans uh, allied with the Decepticons. Yeah, I don't know Like, either. by the end of the book, it's still not clear. They were using each other, okay, fine, but why did the humans need them or anything? Also, uh, the... Uh, so, Marissa is another contentious <laughs> point. I really like the character... And I can't. I, I can't hear Susan Blue's voice in my head when I read her. She's not. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Go ahead. Sorry. I like the character. My issue is that they do these stupid things that kind of undermine her usefulness. So, for example, a the whole treaty with the Decepticons, but b, you know, holding the uh, dog Buster at the final scene of the first issue <laughs> when she's giving her speech essentially undermines her usefulness as a. Yeah soldier or commander because it just makes her look dumb mm-hmm. uh, as we head into issue two and that's uh, we get the whole you know prowl is doing things and operating on his own and uh, prowl's subplot goes nowhere in this too which is another thing that was really annoying so, so for prowl- anyone that doesn't know or doesn't remember prowl was mind controlled by the decepticons earlier Briefly, yeah. And everybody assumes that he's still kind of, you know... Yeah, when people were reading the individual issues, the other question people had was, is merging into Devastator affecting him? Because he starts getting nosebleeds after. Mm-hmm. Uh, that thread is never picked up or explained. <laughs> which, which, that's wonderful. I mean, that's really the biggest issue. They... They start threads and never finish them. Yeah, they set up stuff, and there's no resolution or mention of it ever again. And we'll probably never know some of this stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, When I was reading 29, first note, and this I'll, I'll actually have us discussing this later, because it comes up at a later point with a different character. Daniel Witwicky, really? He grew up fast. Oh, wait, that's not the one I'm thinking of. This is some other... I'm like, wait, what? The way that... I, I like the way that, that Barbara wrote that, but at the same time, it's like, um, hmm... I know you want to forge your own path, but that's not technically how that happened, and I have a whole diatribe at a later issue, I think. I'm trying to remember which issue it was. Um, that I wrote all that down. I think it's in, uh, I think it's in the next trade. Yeah, because the next trade is, is the, is when the other, the, the other annoying human character that everyone hates comes back. So, so yeah, Daniel Witwicky, I'm like, really? Seriously? They name a random general that? Okay. I do like Prime and Prowl and their debate. I think that's fun. I think having the two, you know. Well, let's face it, folks. Optimus has always been the fatherly, grandfatherly type of leader. He's always been the John Wayne in, in any form, except for the crappy live-action movies, um, where he slowly, slowly, slowly turns into a murdering, give-me-your-face asshole. Um, 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, I like seeing the two points of view from Prime and Prowl. And Prowl is just intense is probably the best word I can use for him at this point. Uh, Prowl and Shockwave are, are essentially two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both plan way in advance they're both very sort of cold uh, and calculating about it so yeah I mean they're very similar um, man I just I don't know <laughs> I did, so in case anybody hasn't figured it out I'm not a huge fan of this trade no and yeah you mentioned some of the human characters so if General Witwicky which I could have lived without seeing him again, uh, but no, thank God that it allows them to bring Spike into it. Well, Sp- yeah, it allows to bring them Spike back into it. Yeah, because Spike uh, wasn't an awful, horribly written character or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, There's so much stuff that I just I wonder why they did it. Uh, the other problem here is when you put the two series together, and I'm jumping ahead to issue three here. Okay. Uh, mainly because I've already summed up what happens. I mean, there's just yeah. not much to these books. So, But in issue three, we see Galvatron's history, and we see more of what he believes and that sort of thing. How do you reconcile the stuff that's in More Than Meets the Eye with Megatron mm-hmm. with the Decepticons now follow Galvatron? And I say that because Megatron was portrayed as this charismatic leader who knew what was best for his troops, and who actually sort of cared about them, i.e. Soundwave and the story Hmm. in Robots in Disguise, where, you know, Megatron wants the the cassettes and everybody to be treated equally and that sort of thing. Hmm. Then you have Galvatron, who treats his troops like garbage, uh, refers to the cassettes as basically like sub, uh, you know, I, subspecies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, treats uh, Skywarp as a thing to be used. Yeah, that. Aww. He's an he's an awful commander. There's yeah. no reason any of these people, Soundwave in particular, would follow them. And that's another huge sort of plot issue that. Galvatron is terrible. He his beliefs are directly in opposition to Soundwave, yet yep. for some reason Soundwave is following him or subservient in this series. I it never don't... made sense to me. No, it never made sense to me either. And the things that I liked about that were introduced into twenty nine that carry over into thirty was that um, we do see the other side or s- sort of the aftermath of the trial. So more than meets the eye had the trial. Robots in Disguise is like, okay, well, that happened, and whatever else. I do like, because, you know, I I started with the IDW stuff. I very, I as a kid, I never read any of the Marvel US UK Dreamwave. I've never really read, I mean, I've read, at this point, you know, a couple 
a couple of years ago, Steve and I did uh, Marvelous March with, uh, we did the first Marvel U.S. trade, uh, the Marvel U.S. Classics trade uh, with Optimus on the cover. So, you know, I, that was really my first exposure to that whole run. And it's one of those things where I had, other than the cartoons, obviously, I had never really seen the Transformers on Earth. So I kind of liked it only because we saw Galvatron and Soundwave. And then for a split second, Astro Train until, you know, obviously. Um, and then uh, what I like about, what I, what I don't like about it, and I've always been of this, of this mind ever since, you know, the greatest Transformers movie ever, you know, 1986. Megatron is Galvatron. They're not two separate characters, damn it. Megatron yeah, dies... Much. I much prefer them being two separate characters because the really? cartoon, yeah, because the cartoon show did a garbage job with the two characters being the same. They're not. I mean, there's no way to reconcile one being the other. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, I mean, I'm okay with the fact that the IDW stuff just keeps them separate. I actually, again, I mean, I yeah, prefer that. Yeah, yeah, but, the IDW stuff. Yes, you're right. But I, I'm, you know, used to the whole thing of hey, they're the same guy. You know, Galvatron's uh, just been like the worst commander in all of fiction, probably. So, so basically, he spends just... more time shooting his own guys than actually yeah. fighting the Autobots. Yeah. So I've uh, so I actually much preferred his depiction in these books. But having said that, there's no reason for any of the Decepticons to follow this guy. No, and that there always, isn't. And that always bugged me when I was reading it. And we get a search for Alpha Trion because we got to find him. He's still alive. We ended up on Earth. Um, yeah. For various reasons i mean it leads into combiner wars yeah and that's the other thing i have to say and if john barber if john if you listen to this i'm sorry man you know i like talking to you you're a cool guy is no offense but some of the writing here like we start off with the aftermath of of dark cybertron not really but that's what it's supposed to start off with because issue 28 opens up with this big previously page of the you know you know whatever but it's one of those things where You've got, like we've already said, you get the Galvatron, Decepticon, Human, Alliance thing. And then all of a sudden, without warning, at least to me, and you can, you know, argue this or not. It's like, oh, we need to now find the Enigma of Combination. That wasn't part, like, it's a natural progression finding Alpha Trion and then Alpha Trion telling Prime about it. But transitioning from, like what happens in 29 and 30 into what happens in 31 and 32 it's like um okay that just happened well i mean whoever's choice it was to just one of the things that's really hurt the transformer books and more than meets the eye has been better off because they're cho- they've chosen not to take part but i mean the other mm-hmm. thing that's hurt it is just running from event to event yeah and marvel you know this week uh famously talked about Diversity. Yeah, a couple things. Yeah, they're blaming diversity. No, it's the fact people... I mean, you can go through the comments on all of the Marvel articles. People are just annoyed, you know, going from event to event, and there's never... There's never a break. And it's Mm -hmm. annoying because they go, oh, and you have to buy, you know, these 18 other 
yeah. comics, which, by the way, are all now uh, more expensive. And <laughs> just to follow along, yeah, thanks. I'll get right on that. And unfortunately, that's what IDW's fallen into. Yeah, with the yeah, that's really kind of sad when you think about it. Well, the big one's been uh, the events keep getting worse. I mean, Dark Cybertron I... had its issues. Combiner Wars had some major issues. But uh, I liked Combiner Wars. A Obviously, I'm going to go back and reread it. But at the time when I read Combiner Wars, I enjoyed that a little more than Dark Cybertron. I could see that. I don't think there's anything wrong with. Uh... And I think the reason why I enjoyed it a little more. Not just because of the story or anything like that, but honestly, because they didn't have 20 million different artists on it. Dark Cybertron had at least six artists on each issue. Yeah, that's a problem. And then, that's uh, a huge fucking problem. So. Yeah, and then, uh. Well, in any case, yeah, it was getting back to it uh i mentioned it before i think barbara is a fantastic writer but again mm -hmm. it's all about kind of smaller casts i think that he really excels at you know he recently did dr strange and the punisher uh magic bullets which was a crossover and it was really really good you know again when he has a smaller group to work with and can actually explore relationships and dynamics He's fantastic. Um, yeah. But yeah, when he's got a giant... Like, the, that's the other thing. The cast in this book is... You know, there's 200 characters on The Lost Light. The focused-on cast in this first trade is probably bigger than the focused-on cast <laughs> in the other book. And the cast is much, much smaller in this one. But yeah. we just kind of jump around. Everybody kind of gets a moment, but it doesn't always go somewhere. I mean, we have Jazz who... Oh, I love Jazz. Oh, yeah. We have Jazz I... who kind of relives his Killing a Human, which was from the uh, absolutely wonderful Mike Costa run, which I highly recommend to anybody. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're, being, we, 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 we are... Mike Costa's run is god-awful and some of the worst I've ever read. Yeah, April Fool's was last week, dude. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so, we have that, but the issue is that it it's just sort of there. Mm. You know, like a lot of the other things, they get mentioned or brought up. It doesn't go anywhere. And it happens near the end of the book, and, you know, Jazz sneaks on board, finds Alpha Trion... And Prowl comes up behind him and stabs him in the back or shoots him in the back or does something to Jazz. Well, he puts his gun up to his back and tells him not to take Tryon. It turns out that it's because it would kill him. But yeah. instead of, yeah, instead of, by the way, saying something to him, Prowl, like, makes it seem like he's going to kill him, which Prowl has serious communication issues, apparently. He, yeah, he does. You know what the sad thing is? The first thing I thought of, and this is really sad, that I've been able to find a way to work in a certain actor reference into Transformers. This is like beyond sad. You know, looking back at that panel with Prowl sticking the gun in, in Jazz's back and things, all I can think of is fucking Charlie Sheen in the chase with, uh, with Christy Swanson when he gets the damn candy bar and puts it in her back and says, you're coming with me. That's all I can think of. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, and I'm happy with that. So, yeah. continuing on, uh, the last issue features probably most of my biggest issues. So, the final issue of this, the Autobots attack the human-slash-Decepticon sort of uh, base, and... All is that panel is missing is Hydrofoils. It- the panel yeah. where Optimus and everybody is running in, where he's like, you know, stick with the plan or whatever, that giant panel. The only thing they're missing is hydrofoils from the G1 cartoon. I feel like uh, you probably can't pick on me for bringing up random shit for like three years uh, just, <laughs> just from this one podcast. <laughs> so the issues here, as in the problems. Yes. Uh, number one. We have the Autobots attack the base, and we clearly see later on that attacking the base has injured or killed a number of humans. Mm-hmm. So, the fuck, Optimus? I mean, yeah, that's some bad work. Next, uh, I mean, you know, to nobody's surprise, Galvatron double-crosses the general and kills him. Mm-hmm. Which, again, any person who has any brains whatsoever, I mean, they try to frame Prowl for it, <laughs> but anybody knows that, you know, one of the Decepticons would have done it. Yeah. I mean, the humans are so stupid in this, though, so I guess maybe they can <laughs> blame <laughs> them for things. Oh. Uh, and, I mean, lastly, so... The Enigma of Combination and that kind of thing. When I summed up all of this, it basically ends with the big reveal is that the humans have Transformer technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, more specifically, it's the corpses of uh, Ramjet and... Thrust. Thrust, thank you. I almost forgot his name. Um, the red one. Yeah, I just forgot which Seeker it was. So... <laughs> Okay, fine, they've got that. You know, we already sort of knew that, so it's not a huge revelation, but it just... there, uh, There's so little from first issue to last issue that happens mm-hmm. in the end. Yeah. And way back, you had commented that you hadn't read More Than Meets the Eye, Volume 6, because the trial was slow for you. But you compare where More Than Meets the Eye, Volume 6, started out to where it finishes. Yeah. And even though, though, you know, a criticism More Than Meets the Eye is, yeah, it can definitely sometimes be slow. And sometimes the uh, arcs are maybe a couple pages longer than they really needed to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, But holy cow, it's got nothing on this. (laughs) I know. I mean, if we're picking my least favorite of the the current generation of IDW trades, so post Mike Costa nightmare, obviously. Um, uh, volume six is gotta be up there. Yeah, there's very little I have to recommend. I mentioned a couple of character interplays I liked. That's yep. pretty much it. I mean, at the very least, volume seven opens up with. The issue uh, with Wheeljack, 
that's yeah. told from his point of view, which I loved. I love that issue. The interplay in it is great. Yeah, Again, the whole because... thing with, with with Volume Seven is at least with at least with issue thirty three is that Barber writes singular characters well, like giving a character the narration and giving Wheeljack the story from his point of view. That works well to me. Yeah, and Volume 7, just in general, everything kind of works better. The dialogue worked better. Uh, there's more of that singular interplay. You know, there are good conversations between Soundwave and Thundercracker. Yep. And stuff like that. Now, you know, Spike, who is... Spike's a convoluted character in this, but he's not <laughs> a good character. <laughs> uh, he's been written so many different ways that it's really hard to Root care about him yeah. or find it interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the biggest issue with Seven, at least, is the Enigma of Combination comes out of left field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's all this stuff on Earth, as we find out much, much later in the series, too, yeah. Which is basically an excuse to just keep the Transformers coming back to the friggin' planet. Because for some reason, nobody except for Roberts wants to write anything anywhere else. Oh, wait, and, uh, sorry, in the Windblade slash, uh, All Our One series, which takes place on Cybertron. Yeah, see, I love the stuff on Cybertron. I, yeah. I, I mean, I said in, in, yeah, in you know, I said earlier in, in this podcast that I enjoyed. The stuff on Earth, seeing characters I hadn't seen in a while, like Galvatron, like Sound, specifically more Soundwave than Galvatron, honestly. But, um, but Barber on Cybertron, honestly, Barber or Scott, either Margaret or John, doesn't matter. Anything on Cybertron, anything to do with Cybertron, I absolutely love. I have more notes. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I have more notes for issue 33 than I did for the end of Volume Six. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and the Windblade series ran concurrently with mm -hmm. with these, this. and uh, despite Windblade didn't stick the landing, that's the only sort of thing I'll say. But yeah. uh, it's still a much better individual trade, and I still really like that story, and I like the fact that we get to see the fallout from this gigantic event in mm -hmm. Dark Cybertron, where the other two series... Now, More Than Meets the Eye... I don't count that... Like, uh, I count More Than Meets the Eye, but I don't count that in with... with no, because it's... Yeah, it should be, which is yeah. why... Why I like that he doesn't have to take part in these... In the giant event ...events things. anymore. Yeah. Uh, because that's how it should be. He's... You know, yeah. these characters and this ship are well, you know, out of... Yeah. the area so yeah it makes more sense not to yeah. and yeah it's but even then it dealt with more of the fallout than volume yeah. 6 did and then volume 7 comes along and we're basically full tilt into everybody's looking for the enigma of combination yeah um... this thing this thing that we you know was never uh mentioned or referred to before nope it you know it's just a MacGuffin they created to drive a story. Yeah. Uh, one of my notes from thirty three was, while I really do hate the Armada body on Starscream, I'm sorry, 
It's too much hot rod red Iron Man. It really well, don't is. Don't worry, he changes it. Again. I know he changes it. I know he changes it again. But I'm saying, like, I remember, I was severely. I guess I was getting these. I got issues thirty twenty eight to thirty six in physical form when they were you know when they were being released back when. I got them from the comic shop, and every time I saw Starscream in that stupid-ass Armada body, I hated it, and thankfully he changes it. And Ironhide. Well, I've heard the guy doesn't come out much anymore. I am Ironhide. Thanks for noticing me. Oh, my God. Because I don't go anywhere either. Um, I really thought Starscream was going out of his mind. Turns out he's actually on some sort of visual comlink with somebody. Wheeljack and Windblade. We need a, a a team up with them more. I don't I don't know because I have not read the, the 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 Distant Stars trade. I I don't rem- I have not finished that. So, um, but when no, Windblade, we don't get much unfortunately. Okay. Well, when when Windblade and Wheeljack meet for the first time here, I absolutely loved it. Um, Sarah Stone. I like her art. I think it's great. Um, she's not going to be around much. Um, as far as I can tell, because the next issue is done by what I believe is the best Transformers artist ever. But anyway, I could, I, I could look at Livio's art all day long. Doesn't really? matter. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. We'll get into Love this uh, if I do Combiner Wars with you. Okay. Uh, but the one thing he can't do is action. Uh, I cannot make out what the hell is happening in half of the Combiner Wars panels. <laughs> and and when I couldn't, I tried to find out if it was just me. No, it's pretty much everybody. Uh, <laughs> like, he he's really good at, yeah, the characters and artwork and, yeah, everything except action sequences. Uh, and, uh, as for Sarah Stone, I love having her on Scott's work. They seem mm-hmm. to work really well together, and it adds sort of a dis- different feel. Because mm-hmm. Scott has more comedy than Roberts or Barber, uh, Barber tend to include. Mm-hmm. Everybody's sort of paired up with an artist that seems to work well with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'd argue, like for my money overall, uh, Milne's done the best work overall for the Transformers series in IDW. I also yeah. think. I also don't think, sorry, it's a coincidence that when you look at the Titans Return and the other figures, or, mm-hmm. or even the third-party figures, they tend to take the Milne designs more than anyone else when they do the comic stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, okay, in, in 34, in the in the Galvatron stuff, like, first of all, Galvatron's not a tank yet. He's not white with a purple gun. He's purple with an orange gun. And just the whole, like, the panel where he says, I believe in no prime. That, to me, is a good action shot. Now, maybe Livio gets a little wonky when it comes to Combiner Wars. I don't, again, I, it's been a while since I've read Combiner Wars. So, but, like, this is the stuff that I'm talking about, you know. Um, uh, the, the panel with him uh, saying... Um, you know, banish this foul creature, Nova, and we see, you know, the classic movie-looking G1 Season 3-looking Galvatron. Of course, he doesn't have a Decepticon insignia on his chest, but whatever. Um, uh, and what I, the reason why I like Livio's art a little bit more 
than some of the others that have been on Ridge at this point. And I and I, li- I like Andrew and I like Sarah Stone as well and and all that. But seeing Optimus and Alpha Trion together in Livio's style, I think, is really cool. Uh, poor Rhinox. <laughs> yeah, he just gets a quick sort of uh, yeah guest role. And then after that, we go, oh, yeah, I should actually sum up these trades. So after that, uh, that was our... Uh, the first issue is Wheeljack post getting shot in the head mm-hmm. by Prowl in R.I.D. way back when, in the fourth trade of that. Um, after that... Fourth trade or fifth? I can't remember. Anyway, after that, uh, the next issue that you brought up is all flashbacks uh, and explains where the Enigma of Combination, which nobody's ever talked about, uh, came from. Right. And then after that, we are back to sort of present day. Earth, and, yeah. Yeah, Optimus and his crew are up in uh, orbit, and we're brought back to Earth with uh, GB Blackrock, who is a character from the original Generation 1 comics, who's sort of been redone for this story. Yeah. Uh, and it would turn out, of course, that he has the Enigma of Combination and a lot of the Cybertronian technology. Yeah. So that's why he's introduced and he's in this. Yeah. Uh, beyond that... Uh, so getting I mean, into 35, from my, just really quickly from my notes for 35, how much of an asshole is Spike in this series? Like, Spike is just not interesting, and that's yeah. one of the problems... None of his stuff. Yeah. And then <laughs> I think I think it was Galvatron or it was one of the other. It was either Galvatron or Soundwave, a revolution against the humans. Oh, my God. Seeds of the future. Because, yeah, revolution, obviously. I, and I haven't even read any of the revolution stuff yet. Uh, I like Prowl versus Spike. I like Marissa versus Blackhawk or Blackrock. Um the whole spike thing is going to be bad, isn't it? The whole thing, because this is the note that I was mentioning earlier about the whole lineage of the Witwickies. Uh, can we talk about Daddy Daniel's son Spike, and then what Spike has a son named Sparkplug, who has a son named Spike, who marries Carly, and they have a son named Daniel? What? Time travel is less complicated than this. Yeah, yeah but I don't think... Uh... I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I really okay. don't care about like the any of the ties to G one or anything like that. I mean <laughs> a lot of the people who are reading this, like an awful lot of people I know as well that read these books have no experience with those. So I mean Yeah. My issue is just he's not well written from a even if you don't know anything about this character standpoint either. Like <sighs> He's just not all that well done. These are two... These are not great trades. Um, either of them. Yeah. And just, yeah, There's too many unanswered questions. Too much stuff that doesn't make sense. Too much of characters just going off and doing whatever. Uh, everybody has 14 different agendas and double crosses going... Yeah. against everybody else at the same time. And it's 
part of it in the end this stuff works out okay but we're talking three trades down the line that we get any resolution to any of this really (laughs) and that's one of the issues that this is so slow you know none of this is self-contained you can't just read one trade and get any of the story no, and that's, that's why there's a previously page at the beginning of every single issue. Yeah, and th- and normally that's fine, and I don't have an issue with that. But again, this is extreme. Like, we're talking three trades down the line into ten, where yeah. there's some answers to some of this stuff. That's a little much. And I've mentioned before, I love that Roberts plays the long game, but he does it subtly, whereas this... It's the main storyline that doesn't get a payoff for her for forever. Yeah. And that's an issue. It's one thing if it's, you know, oh, there's this throwaway line. I wonder if that'll be important later. To, oh, this is the entire book. I wonder if any of it will be important later. Yeah, that's not good. No, and I seriously doubt it's... Uh, I would definitely give Barber the de- benefit of the doubt. Uh, because he's you know got a plan for all these events and he's keeping track of all of these different series and the continuity with them, yeah. which I think is really difficult to do. And I think he does a really good job of it. But yeah, just uh, these aren't great volumes. <laughs> so as thirty-seven and thirty thirty-six, thirty-seven and thirty-eight. Um, we have uh, Andrew back on on art, and I, I like Andrew's art a lot. Um, I, I don't know. I just when I see Livio's stuff, because I, I think it, I think it was Dark Cybertron that I first got in, got uh, introduced to Livio's stuff. I could be wrong. Could could have been something else. I don't remember. Yeah, but you are <laughs> okay. I'm wrong. Well, he did uh, individual issues much earlier than that as part of the Robots in Disguise series. Okay, yeah. Uh, And in particular, he did all flashbacks and all of the Dead Universe stuff. That's right, yeah. uh, Even in R.I.D. Yeah. So that's presumably where. But yeah, he's been doing it for a little bit. Yeah, and, and I just like seeing more of his stuff because I like his style. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. It's it's a different style than any of the other artists that, that they that they've used in this entire series. Um Yeah. Oh. Um so yeah, thirty six, uh the only note I have for thirty six is the transformation scene with Prowl and R C was kinda cool when they're running off to fight whoever they're going to fight or she's trying to protect him from doing something stupid or something I can uh, break it down why they're going there but I just don't <laughs> I just don't care at this point I mean this uh, these two trades I find for whatever reason too it takes a lot out of me to read them mm-hmm. These are the two that probably, I would say, overall, that I go back to least of all of the IDW trades. I have them yeah. all lined up in one, you know, giant bookshelf. Mm-hmm. And these are the two that probably spend the most time sitting on that bookshelf. <laughs> Whereas all of the others, I find I read and reread them exceptionally often. Yeah. Yeah, I was... Um... 
uh, obviously, the when we recorded this, um, we were going to record it a day before we actually did, but something came up with my neighbor, and if something hadn't come up with my neighbor, I needed to help her out. It was like I was sitting. By the time I got to issue thirty-one, like my head was about to hit the keyboard. I'm sorry, John, but I was just falling asleep of boredom, and. 33 through 38 parts of like I like 38 I think 38's a good issue um but damn it IDW rumble is purple frenzy is red uh anyway that's just me and my cartoon stuff uh anyway uh yeah the eh, days of deception too too much deception is honestly every like you said before everybody's lying to everybody um and it really does go nowhere. Like, there really is no... There is an ending in issue 38, but, again, it's to set up Combiner Wars, which starts in 39 and runs through 42. And then Combiner Wars also is part of Windblade as well at this point. So... <coughs> yeah. <Yay>. <laughs> so... All right, uh, before we get out of here, I, I, I'm almost afraid to ask this. What would you rate Volume 6? <laughs> I need, yeah, I mean, for me, there's two major things. Uh, like versus quality generally is two separate things for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so while I don't like issue six and there's a lot of stuff I don't like about it as in, mm -hmm. you know, I just, I hate them going back to earth, et cetera, et cetera. It's not super poorly written, although there's definite issues with it. So, right. Uh, oh, for crying out loud. Oh, oh hell with it. I'll just give it a two out of five. I'm going to give it a one and a half out of five. I enjoyed moments here and there. But Volume 6 is nothing to write home about. Um, the Autobots technically won, but at the same time they're trying to make, like, they're trying to throw out the classes, Autobots, Decepticons, Nails, whatever, and they're trying to just make it all Cybertronian. That's never going to work. It's just not. Because every, you know... As much as we want to, you know, live in the present and and forge ahead with the future, sometimes you just can't not forget about the past. And yeah, volume six is a one and a half for me. Jesus, you should start reading the expanse. <laughs> what about uh, volume seven for you? Volume seven's greatly improved. Mm -hmm. uh, but man, combine. <laughs> <laughs> Running, uh, going straight into Combiner Wars, the Enigma combination, all this crap that comes out of left field, and these you know characters that are introduced. Oh, and it gets a single point off uh, immediately for having Spike in it, because man, <laughs> what a shitty character. <laughs> um, you prefer him, you know, in in his construction outfit and you know sitting atop you know uh, Mount Saint Helen. Yeah, as annoying as Spike could be in the TV show and anything else, he's so much better than this version. Anyway, uh, so let's see, my negative point off. So it ends up getting a 2.5 uh, 
What? I was going to give it a three? No. Oh, man. <laughs> you don't even know. The hell with it. It gets a 2.5 out of uh, 5 just because it's better than the previous mm. volume, but it's still not all that good. We're still in the not-so-good era of Transformers. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Um, which is really sad considering how much we all hate. Well, I don't because I've never read it, but we all hate the Mike Costner run. And you'd think, and I thought the whole point when someone was like, oh, you should read the Transformers comics now. They're actually good. And I'm like, okay, cool. That works and and whatever. And I guess they all can't be diamonds in the rough, right? I, I uh, when, don't know. When somebody told you that, they meant more than meets the eye. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> well, the way I was told about Robots in Disguise, at least when it first started, was it's the political book. It's the, you know, because back then, the first five volumes, it was Bumblebee and Starscream and Metal Hawk and trying to fight over who's going to rule the planet and yada, 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 and free elections and this, that, and the other thing and, and everything else. And obviously now, Bumblebee's dead. I don't, it's been so long since I've read those early stories, no idea what the fuck happened to Metal Hawk. Um, Metal Hawk was killed by Starscream to uh, okay, there you go. make a point. It was really good, uh, I liked that uh, stuff, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, Volume 7 for me, uh, I'll give it a 3 by comparison to Volume 6, because yeah. it is an improvement. <laughs> I mean, it's not a vast improvement, but it's an improvement. <laughs> I, I, I'm i sorry, John. I'm sorry, artists. But, yeah, it, it's, not, uh, it's not that much of an improvement. And... Uh, how much more of a how much more of a dick does Optimus turn into? I mean, is he going to start saying "Give me your face in this"? Like seriously. <sighs> so, join us next week, folks. When we um, and I did this on purpose. We start with the good stuff. We end with the good stuff. So next week is our third week of Autobotly April, where we talk about Rid Volumes Eight and Nine. <laughs> I'm sure Ryan's like, just shoot me now. Uh, well, I mean, I don't even remember them. Man, sweet. <laughs> I'll just pretend that I really liked them then, and uh, <laughs> so so then I won't be dreading reading through them again. <laughs> and then in two weeks, we've got More Than Meets the Eye, Volumes 8 and 9, and then right yay. before... Yay! <laughs> and then right before Batman Month starts, we have Transformers, More Than Meets the Eye, Robots in Disguise, Volume 10, both trades for both series, because that's the finale, so that's going to happen... Uh, probably the same day, or maybe uh, no. Actually, no. I know. I know what I'm doing that way. Free comic book day this year, folks. The first Saturday in May. I forget what day that is off the top of my head. I'm not looking at the calendar, but the first Saturday in May this year is free comic book day, as it is every year. It has been for the last I don't know how long. So we're going to kick off, uh, kind of conclude, and then kick off uh, Autobotly April with the More Than Meets the Eye Rid Volume 10 discussion for both trades and then after that it's Batman Month here in the bullbag so that's what's going on there uh, where can the people find you online sir? at Nightbeat alright I am at TFG and Mike you can follow at the pullbag on Twitter for the pullbag stuff please do 
Um, make your greatest game in the comics, and we will catch you next time. <laughs> hey, that was fun! You've just heard the latest episode of The Pull Bag, the GCRN's comic review and discussion podcast. There are several ways to get in touch with us and leave feedback for the show. You can visit the website, geekcastradio.com, where you can comment on the episode in all of our different podcasts. You can rate our show on iTunes. Be sure to leave us feedback. Call the voicemail line, 502-526-5821. Please remember to tell us the show you are leaving the message for, and your name. Become a fan of us on Facebook by searching GeekCast Radio Network. Send us an email feedback at geekcastradio.com. Follow us on Twitter at Geekcast Radio. So until next time, make your great escape into comics and unleash the geek in you.